0: because i have a very quick psa to my lovely white critics please watch your language when you are reacting to this film i already seen critics that i know that are white who have described this film as ratchet as ghetto tastic if you don't have the the cultural language to properly talk about this film stick to the rivers and lakes that you're used to I'm your host Joy Childs and welcome to the Color Grade podcast. Are you seeing all the colors? The Color Grade is an uncensored podcast about film and its industry from a black perspective. Join us as we go behind the scenes of the confusing, exciting, enriching Black Experience at Sundance 2020. Um, I'm so excited to talk to Anne here. We have a couple of films we're going to talk about. Um, First one is Zola, based on a 148-tweet thread (laughs) in 2015 by a lovely woman named, uh, her Twitter name was Zola Moon, uh, but she's very much known as Zola. But Her name is Isaiah King. I'm sorry, Zola, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. Um, But she uh, was a waitress in Detroit slash uh occasional sex worker who got introduced to a you know this white woman named Jess in real life Stephanie in the film uh, the woman seduces her to have an excursion for 48 hours, um, making some additional money stripping and Florida. And what snowballed is this large kind of underbelly into violence, sex work, folks got shot, people jumped off of, you know, cliffs. <laughs> it was a hot ass mess. Um, and so this tweet thread that happened in 2015 shocked a lot of people. I was actually on Twitter during that time and was you know, uh, rapidly trying to refresh my feed to keep uh, track of the story. Um, and the rights were acquired. Uh, Jan- Janica Bravo, sorry, Janica, for pronouncing your name wrong, is the director and co writer, as well as Jeremy O'Harris, who wrote Slave Play, um, is the other writer of this film uh, that takes all of those tweets, loosely base- bases uh, the film on that. Um, and it's an A24
1: distribution. So, with that being said, Anne, mm-hmm. what did you think of the film? So overall, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it immensely. I had known a little bit about the tweet thread. I didn't get into it on Twitter, but I remember when it was trending and everybody was like, oh my gosh, this story. So thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought the characters were well done. Um, ended a little like I wanted to know more and I was a little upset that I didn't know more about it, but generally really liked the movie, thought it was well paced. It was funny in places. It was super realistic um, and it was hard to watch in a lot of spaces as well.
0: Yeah, and we'll definitely expound on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree with you to a certain extent. I think the film, overall, I very much enjoyed this film. Um, I think there were a lot of heavy hitters in terms of the performances. Mm -hmm. Taylor Page was fantastic as Zola. I heard Zola's voice in the tweets when I was reading it in her um, delivery, as well as her breaking the fourth wall throughout the uh, film. Mm -hmm. I also agree with you. I thought it was um, timed perfectly in terms of comedic timing. Um, and that fourth wall breaking was, breakin was used well in yes, the film, not which overused. I appreciate. Not overused. Mm-hmm. Riley Keough, um shocked the hell out of me with her performance <laughs> as, you know, bad baby, you know, esque hood white chick. And what I appreciate about the film, and again, important to have Black people write stories like this, is they do not praise her. They very much mock her voice yes. and who she is as a character. Mm-hmm. And they view her as a character, which I appreciate. Coleman Domingo, man. coleman domingo is one of those actors where you might not like jump up and down when you see him on a casting list but when you give him a chance to just perform in the film you're like oh that's why he's there
1: so he played the roommate slash. yes he played
0: the roommate slash pimp And as i was watching it because i said to myself when he got cast i was like why is coleman domingo in this (laughs) like for those who who isn't aware coleman domingo is a fantastic actor um, he uh, most notably was in If Bill Street Could Talk as mm-hmm. the father. Um, he made a really impactful cameo in um, Euphoria as a fellow AA member that interacts with uh, Zendaya's character. He's everywhere. He's yeah. had a very storied, successful career. That's some of his recent accomplishments, but he's just a fantastic actor, character actor. Um, and I was like, why is he guess it? And then he opened his mouth and like kind of switched it up on you. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. When
1: he went from, you know, f- Floridian, whatever, whatever kind of accent. He was doing like regular, regular black African-American dude. And then he's like, get in the car. And yes. I'm like, oh, yes. Went straight oh Nigerian. I, I was li- like, But literally yes. felt it. And I was like, oh, he's, he's not playing in this level of evil that he yeah. drops. Because before he's seen Mildly Menacing, when he gets into his character, it's like, oh, this is a whole other level of nonsense that's about to yeah. happen in this movie and it's there's really, like good. like
0: let's be let's be real considering that like people die in this in Ooh. this story there's a lot that goes on yeah. it's technically a kidnapping yes it's a ridiculous like fucking story it is super and so ridiculous. i appreciate the actors really leaning in to the absurdity of the mm-hmm. story and i think that's what sells it here's where things that i had issues with and i guess we can kind of talk a little bit about it mm-hmm. um for me the pacing is flawless i think the first 45 minutes of that film spot on like i have no complaints i was in and then it peaks (laughs) and then it tapers off Uh and then that ending i was just like (laughs) and that's kind of how i felt coming going into the movie i think there were some weird editing choices in particular there was some odd hotly placed scene where we go from the perspective of Zola to the
1: perspective of Stephanie, which made no sense,
0: and it made no, and it threw off the pacing yes. for me. That it took me out of the the yeah. story that I was in. Yes,
1: um, it and reminded so- you that you were. In a story as opposed to before you're right. like on the adventure with them yep. and then she pulls you right out of it and starts talking and you're like oh okay yeah And I had telling me an
0: co- opportunity to talk to a film critic valerie complex please follow her on twitter she's fantastic um and we were talking about the film itself and she was saying that it's fascinating how the film ends the way it does because there is a concrete conclusion to the tweet thread mm-hmm. so the fact that it doesn't reflect that in the film is really interesting um, I do think that, look, art can come in in multiple different forms, but I wrote a review for the Mtr network um talking about the elasticity of mm-hmm. tweets and how you can stretch it and kind of mold it and how does it permut you know permutate into a concrete screenplay. Mm-hmm. I think that second half of the film kind of shows a little bit of the flimsiness yeah. of the tw- like the Twitter thread, yes, and I think. Both co-writers Bravo and O'Hara has had probably a little difficulties filling in those gaps. Um, So there were some choices to be made where I think that first strong, you know, first Mm -hmm. half is strong. Second half, not my favorite, but I think overall I enjoyed it. But let's talk about Mm -hmm. someone who uh, joined the film, surprisingly. Uh, So for those of you who are unaware, there is a interesting actor named jason mitchell and jason mitchell is uh best known for playing easy and straight out of compton mm-hmm. actually a very talented actor very to be talented, candid yes. very very talented actor super funny uh, super funny most recently you know very hood new orleans dude uh most recently was on the shy mm-hmm. up until season three uh where he was removed from the cast mm-hmm. after um allegations of sexual harassment from one of the cast members tiffany boone tiffany boone has now gone on and prospered she's out now in the wonderful amazon series hunters um that's executive produced by jordan peele so like good on tiffany shout out to her prospering and flourishing um jason makes an appearance in this film um as the pretty much the the dude that Derek which is uh Stephanie's boyfriend befriends while they're out stripping and then he comes follows them and tries to rob them Mm -hmm. and beats up Stephanie fine Mm -hmm. until we get to a scene yes where Jason Mitchell uh, actually sexually assaults Zola yes it is very hard to watch yes When you're juxtaposing that with his Mm -hmm. sexual uh, harassment
1: allegations with Tiffany Boone. Um, Would love to hear your opinion on that. So I'm sitting in a theater and the theater is not very diverse. So there's not a lot of black people in the theater. Um, And so it was interesting the whole movie watching some of the reactions. Um, This particular part was hard for me because for many reasons. So... The Jason Mitchell thing, I already knew who he was. i He was an actor that when I first saw him, I rooted for him. Loved him as easy. He was in a horrible movie called Kong Skull Island. Loved him in that. He was hysterical through the whole movie um, and really rooted for him. And then heard this thing about the shy and was like floored. But also like, I, I, I believe the victim. So I'm, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And so seeing him in the movie, I was like, okay, well... Brother got to eat, I guess, whatever, whoever's choice it was to put him in this movie. Then it comes to this scene and it would have been uncomfortable to watch regardless of who the actor was. So It it was not an issue. It was still there's one black man trying to sell a black woman to another black man in order to get out of a situation. Also to rescue a white woman, which is his meal ticket. There was so much discomfort in that. And the sexual assault itself, but then for it to be Jason Mitchell doing this act and seemingly enjoying and slithering through it, I was literally like, I my my shoulders are tense. I, it was it was so hard to watch, and then get. Through the rest of the movie, I and agree the rest with of the movie you. was flimsy, so yep. it was kind of like, so I'm stuck here.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I <laughs> sli- slithering is that's the word he of the day. Was, uh, it that was... is it because I I was uh, so we deliberately saved seats for each other, so mm-hmm. I was in pretty much a full row, and and Alex ran into me of black folks, mm. and we were sitting, and we all got quiet yeah. during that scene because it agree with you. I think, man, I just. Even when it's done and directed by a woman, I think their choices have to be made yes. on whether or not you want to showcase explicit sexual assault yeah. in films. It It's hard for me to watch. I have never been, you know, thankfully, never been sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. It is still something that just makes my like chest tight. Yep. So it's just jarring to see. And I've, if I could be wrong. Drag me if I'm wrong. But I don't think that that was uh, actually brought up in the Twitter thread, too uh in terms of like the explicitness of it yes they could have
1: done it a different way and not been
0: so like if it was a source material thing
1: you can still make that decision you can still make that that decision
0: to cut it right um the fact on top of that that it was jason mitchell look i am not a i am not a film director all Mm -hmm. i do is watch film and i love watching film and i recognize that they probably filmed this in 2018 the allegations against jason mitchell came out in 2019 i hear you yep there could have been, an, I just really feel like there could have been another way because it it put me on pause completely. And then on top of that, the pacing prior to that wasn't doing great. Yep. I think midway into the film when they got the $8,000, mm-hmm. I think that's when the film started snowballing. Yes. So I was already losing engagement. That took me out. Yep. And even like b- prior to that scene, like how they were doing the gun and like the switch and the discussion was also really like chaotic in a way that wasn't coherent. anyway just that whole entire scene packaged was just
1: not it also went from it was never not problematic but it wasn't as dark and then it got to a point where it got so quickly dark which
0: i'm fine with it because like i think the 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 twitter thread that they're like it escalates in a way
1: i just think the execution of the escalation could have been better that's what i mean like they didn't build me up to this and it was like quick oh so now this is a dark movie and then we see her we see steph uh stephanie in this situation where it's her and like seven gangbangers Mm -hmm. about to have this whole situation Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay i know they don't show this but the level of violence and it was it was disturbing to Mm -hmm. see and to know that someone was gonna watch that have to watch this and be safe Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of it was a Twitter thread. It She tells it as a story, you know, it's fine. It seems very like, let me tell you how I fell out with this bitch, blah, 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 blah. But I hope it's not lost on people how violent and traumatic this actual tale was. And even though it seems super normalized among the two, she's like, I'm just, I'm gonna hook up your page. You're gonna make more money, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was hard to watch in that I'm like, we are watching the evolution of, if you're choosing the sex work, fine. But the fact that there was someone behind it and they felt like they couldn't escape it, it was so hard to kind of watch that story and remember that this was based this is this is a true story, this is what have you. And there was lightheartedness to it as well. And so I didn't feel like the audience kind of remained in that space where it was like, this is still bad stuff happening. I think
0: I think again, it it goes up to the lead up. Mm -hmm. I think if there was more sprinkled with reminder, this is a kidnapping. Yes. (laughs)
1: not just a cute little story of right. four people on an right. adventure in a car. That's what it was. It and I was think like, if they
0: was sprinkled a yeah. little bit more in the bin, I think that's a that's a fair assessment. I also do think like things to keep in mind about sex work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because Zola from her perspective, and I'm talking about Zola, the, the person, not necessarily yeah. the character, mm-hmm. but Zola in her perspective, there was a hierarchy between yeah. the sex work she did as a stripper Versus and, right. the sex work that you know Stephanie slash Jess did right. as uh, not only a stripper but also
1: uh, someone who like dabbled in prostitution. And it wasn't just the dabbling; it also seemed like you're dabbling, but you're not making the money for yourself. Right. So at least if you're making the money for yourself, I'm I'm good with that. I'm not right. judging you. But why are you doing it for this dude? Right. Right. So that made Which it I lower thought, on the and I thought pole.
0: so so fascinating because sex work is sex work is sex work, like sex work. So I'm just like ah. Like is her, there a, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like her perspective is her perspective. Yes. I'm, gonna let, I'm gonna let her. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna let her cook. Mm-hmm. I just don't want the takeaway to be like, okay, stripping is more acceptable socially, sex work than let's say prostitution. Right. It's like, okay, well, in the end of the day, you're making that. These conference. are people making choices yeah, for whatever they want to do. These are, these are two do. women that are consenting yep. to sex work. Now, Stephanie consenting is maybe strong for yeah. for that debatable <laughs> right, right? right the stripping she's definitely consenting yeah, she's, to yeah yes, but the, the, the actual prostitution not so much but like that was also a kind of an interesting piece again coming from the source of material so mm-hmm. like i'm not going to ding them for that yeah. but just keep in mind yeah. that sex work is fine across the board yes so like just done safely <laughs> yes. and with consent just done safely <laughs> and with that is the key yes kiki key, kiki key, key, key. um other any other like final thoughts on the film? I mean, I I felt
1: like it was it was so funny because the character of Stephanie, I, it kept bringing to mind to me Alicia Silverstone in Beauty Shop and mm. the girl who was in um, the movie with oh this is gonna kill me with um, Terrence Howard and Taraji Henson. It won an Oscar for the song. They're in the south, yeah. H- yes, hard out hustle, for, and hustle, and hustle and Flow, Hustle and Flow. So, it rem- like she's that same character. It was just like, okay, so she, she was a did a great job. Um, it did feel a little spoofy at times with her, so Which that am fine, yeah, but I appreciate that actually. It took me out a little bit. I was kind of like, okay, so it's kind of a girl adventure sort of thing, but that's at, at times it was like, okay, this is a, a lot, mm-hmm. but it worked in the comedic timing of it and other but the other thing was it was interesting because mo- at most of the time folks laughed in the right places yes there were times when watching it as a woman of color and people were laughing at things that were not necessarily meant to be funny right um, and I shouldn't say that because I didn't write it, mm-hmm. but there were things that universally might've been in bad taste for folks not of color to laugh at. Right. And so watching that in the theater was difficult. That is a perfect segue. <laughs>
0: Cause I have a very quick PSA mm-hmm. to my lovely white critics. <laughs> Either your review is out or your it's in drafts.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me make
0: something very clear to you. Please watch your language when you are reacting to this film. I already seen critics that I know Mm -hmm. that are white who have described this film as ratchet, Mm. as ghetto-tastic. You are not invited. You're just not invited to.
1: (laughs) You're just not invited to be And I am sitting here reading
0: this like, (laughs) as a black woman, Mm -hmm. I am not using any of that language in my reviews. If you read my review, I talk about the structure of the film. Mm -hmm. Why are you like, and this, again, this goes back to a broader yes. conversation of if you don't have the range, mm-hmm. pass it on to the left. Yes. To somebody else. Yes. And I think that has that is something that I had an eye on and ha- mm-hmm. was noticing. If you don't have the, the cultural language to properly talk about this film. Right. Either one, stick to the rivers and lakes as you're used to. Right. And just talk about the technicality of the film. Do not try to be mom and dad cool right. and use language that you cannot
2: or B, will not
0: fall please right. give it to a black woman yes because i am not trying to read about how this film is super ratchet how this film is
1: ghetto-tastic because the then we need to know what are your ratchet requirements right. how do you know what this is like what, talk is, to ghetto, me what is your it? definition ghetto, of ghetto. ghetto-tastic like what is ghetto-tastic and <laughs> you don't want to have this conversation Ghetto is a terrible phrase <laughs> it really
0: is why would you use that it, it's rough that and was I've hard seen, i've seen more than one it, across the board been white men With their Twitter like tweet Mm -hmm. reactions, and everyone
1: was like, "No,
0: yes, so don't do that." And I
1: had just (laughs) gone through that seeing slave play. Yeah, right. So sitting in that audience as well. Oh, right. And that was a choice to go see that, and you know, but it was still like, okay, I'm gonna. So it was the same kind of feeling of these reactions i probably should not have seen this in this setting
0: i saw slave play a couple of weeks ago actually mm-hmm. i think it was the last blackout that they had before they closed the play down yeah i
1: saw it the first and, weekend it came out
0: i don't know maybe sometimes white people don't read because like it's that blackout on the invite and then like i saw white people sitting a couple of rows in front of me i was like oh y'all in for a treat um and some of them did wa- leave early funny to funny to the kid but uh yeah man like i let me let me try to say this in the nicest way possible (laughs) because y'all i'm trying to be a better christian in 2020 um she's alone in that (laughs) I'm just trying to get right with Christ. Like, I'm just... I'm trying to be close to him always and forever. Because um, one day, you know, when the world ends, I want to meet him in the air. Christ my
1: heart. This is where um, we are this year.
0: <laughs> no, you know, here's here's the key. Like, yep. it, because you are white does not mean that you cannot enjoy art. Mm-hmm. And art comes in many... Art comes in multiple different forms. Yes. Even in, in social and cultural languages that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And as... Critics of color and particularly black critics, there were two black critics on the mic. Mm -hmm. We have been assimilated to since birth to be able to find ourselves in white characters. Yes, absolutely. In broader media. Mm -hmm. White critics have not, have had the privilege to not have to find that. Right. Because they're always in media so they Mm -hmm. can always see themselves in these characters. They look like them. Please read a book, (laughs) see another film and like sit with it, mm-hmm. marinate in it, soak yes. in it. You can find yourself in these characters, yes. but just because you can find yourself in these characters that does not mean you can adopt the language of these characters. And that's where there is a very clear line. It's not even a fine, it's a clear, thick ass line. <laughs> Don't do it. And that's, that is my
1: nice way of saying it. Yes, and I think as a way of making folks comfortable for a long time, Especially because be, coming from corporate America, for a long time, people let the let the occasional "what's up, bro" slide and those types of things, and it has now snowballed into a thing. But we can and have so, camaraderie
0: without, without trying to pretend all, like the things we're, things, things we're not all those things. Like, look, I as I am a proud Bronxite, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't grow up in the hood of the Bronx. Like, I grew up in the South Bronx. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like, I grew up in a private house. Yep. Both my parents have been married for my God, going on twenty nine years in October. Like. We like my parents would not let me out the house. I was raised in a fairly conservative Christian household in the Mm -hmm. beginning. And I was the oldest, too. They were like, oh, what? No school. That's it. (laughs) You will go to college. That's it." Like and so I did not like what people deem as a traditional like Bronx upbringing. I did not have. So I'm not gonna pretend like something I'm not. I'm I will rep the Bronx till the day I die. Kenya knows this. I love my borough, I love my city, BX all day, gang gang. But like I that's not we right. don't ha- I'm so I'm not gonna even even people that look like me, I'm not gonna co-opt
1: that language. Right. So you know good and damn well. You should not be doing it either. But but the entitlement and the, you know, I can be cool in any setting. But you can. But but you can't. And so it's it was very interesting watching the comfort level, whether it was slave play or being in Zola, in Zola, the comfort with which you can enjoy and laugh at these things was off-putting. Yeah, and that was it. Was that was the hardest thing for me? Was you feel super comfortable laughing at this, being a part of this? Saying no one said the words, so it was like okay. But even just like you know, just just being in this space that's not about you, and. It's a level of comfort that most other people don't know. We've learned it. We've learned to navigate it because you have to. Like the the whole space is yours. So it, for, in order to survive here, we've had to learn to be comfortable in your space. But the fact that you can just roll in into a space you've never really spent time in and you don't really know the the, the people that are here all the time, and just feel that level of comfort and enjoyment, I, it it was it was off putting. It was yeah. really hard to sit in and. Today was kind of no different seeing Zola, yeah, which was unexpected for me. Yeah. And I mean, it, the the festival itself is not. It's there's not a whole lot of people of color. There's probably what I've been told is that there's more than other years, but in this particular setting, watching both this and another movie after it, which was also a quote unquote black film, there wasn't a lot of us, and and watching the. Usually if I'm watching black films, I'm watching in a a theater full of black people or I'm watching in my house. So being in this setting, it was like, whoa, did not expect these kinds of reactions. Not sure how I feel about it.
0: Yeah. And I'll I'll close out on this because we've been saying that we'll have an episode specific to Mm -hmm. access and accessibility Mm -hmm. of the festival and kind of the lack of people that look like us in Mm -hmm. the audiences. So like, let's table that conversation because I I think that deserves its episode in itself. But I'll close out on, on Zola for this one. Here's what I would love in 2020. Mm -hmm. In 2020, I would love the assessment of, do you have the range to write about this? Mm. If the answer is no, don't. And recommend it to someone else. And I'd say that as, and that's not just for white critics, by the way. No. There have been films that I've watched and I'm like, oh, my head ass should not write anything about this. I'm not queer.
2: <laughs>
0: I recommend somebody who is queer, though, who would do a, a better job than I could because I don't have the range. Like, and that's fine. Yes. Like, we, there is a limitation yeah. to what we know and what we can speak about. Yeah. Whether it be our, our own internal experiences or just the knowledge of things that we just know from everyday life. Agreed. And so, like, if you don't know, it's okay saying, I don't know, pass the opportunity on someone else. And so I'm hoping and looking forward to, especially because we have an a unprecedented amount of Black films in particular, mm-hmm. I am hopeful, and this is probably being extremely naive of me, but fuck it, why not? I'm hopeful that we're going to see an array of different types of Black voices speaking about this. And it is... All of our responsibility to amplify those voices, mm-hmm. uh, both not only in a written standpoint, but audio. So, like, yes, podcasts, um, whether it be tweets, like, whatever the medium is, mm-hmm. like, let's make sure instead of like, talking about what everybody else is writing let's drown out that noise with what we are talking about like what you know our opinions on it because we were talking about it off the mic because i'm not trying to like spoil it we were talking about off the mic about a certain film (laughs) yes and i think that there is a specific nuanced point of view Mm -hmm. that i'm not seeing a lot of being written now i think a lot of us have our you know shit in drafts i do (laughs) so (laughs) it's coming Um, but I I, I look forward to reading those that's my favorite part of the festival is
1: reading subject matter subject
0: matter experts Mm -hmm. who talk the talk walk the walk and know what the fuck they're talking about which
2: I love amen Yeah. yes this is my very first time here so I'm just enjoying the experience I'm learning about every part of this process I didn't even know that when you wait list you have to have cash (laughs) So I had to be real creative. I had to buy people's waters over here with my, car, my credit cards so I can get cash back. I said, oh, this is sad. But, um, you know, so, but I'm seeing every, I mean, it's a lot of diversity. You know, the films are bad hair, you know, Zola, you know, this documentary on the record. I mean, I feel like it's a good swath of everything that you can see here. You know, I think it's a very good investment. I came here to try to turn my short into a feature by Hobnob, not a Wave. Yes, It's on ahead. now. So I, feel like, <laughs> so I feel like it was a very good investment. I would tell anybody, any African-American yeah. to come to Sundance and experience this. It has been a great experience so far. Introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Hello, my name is Alicia Cooper. I'm a filmmaker from D.C., but I live in Los Angeles. Okay, okay right now we are at the Mark Theater mm-hmm. uh, in, in uh, Park City, Utah and this theater seats 700 oh, nice. it, it, it's, it's a bigger awesome. one we, we're feeling good and this it has a concession stand i mean this stuff is very high priced but it has a concession stand other theaters don't you can eat and drink in here i got my candy and my lemonade and my, my backpack i have never owned or worn a backpack not even in college so i called people and i was like what do i need to know about something it was like get a backpack i'm like oh okay, okay. so everything with the kitchen sink is in this backpack yeah. And this theater is supposedly really, really nice, and we can eat in it. And I'm looking forward to seeing this on the record. What
0: is your Sundance story? Everyone has one. It could be about, like, how you pick your outfits. I mean, your story about having to buy water in order to get your—that is, like, classic. Is there another Sundance story you want to share with us?
2: Well, one, okay, I can tell y'all that learning how the the shuttles run— and then how the temperature drops at night, because you feel good when the sun is up. You're like, oh, this is nothing. Then the sun drops and it feels like you've been sliced in half by Edward Scissorhands. So i ran around so much on Friday that I refused to find that shuttle and walk up a hill to 80 steps. I was like, where's my Uber app? I will pay to get home. I didn't want to see anybody else. I didn't want to make 18 stops. I didn't want 20 people coughing on me. I just wanted to get home. And I didn't care how much it cost. it. So it is cold here at night. But I just met some great people, Charles King, the macro house, the black house. Um, You know, I saw some people I've worked with. When I got here, I didn't know. I'm staying in a house called Women in Media. Mm -hmm. So I had met a few of those ladies before, but we're not friends. So I was like, ooh, I'm out here all by myself. By the second day, I saw everybody I knew. A girl I had done a, pop, a web series with, the creator of the series. I saw Tamika. I saw I, like people from the DGA. So by the second day, I was like, oh, okay, this is a family reunion. Yeah. So I just say, come, because you, you're going to see people you know when you yeah. get here.
0: That's awesome. Um, so we're interviewing people who are bringing films to Sundance Mm -hmm. people who are like been at Sundance for many years and like are kind of established in the industry what are some questions or a question you would want us to be asking them like Mm -hmm. you spoke to like you're here it's your first time you're trying to see if you can bring your short and like meeting people and networking Mm -hmm. what's a question you have for people who might have been doing that 10 years ago
2: what do they think set their film apart from the others because it's very competitive You know, they get, what, 15,000 submissions for like a couple hundred spaces. Mm -hmm. So what made yours stand out? Mm -hmm. You know, what did you do differently? What was your subject matter? How did you, was it your, did you get in the first time you submitted? Or did you submit the same film more than once? Or did you, did you submit something one year, didn't get in, you did something else, and then that got in. Mm -hmm. So I would just love to know their process and also how many years they've been directing. Tell us about your shorts. My short is awesome. It's a psychological thriller called Trade. It's basically Moonlight and Brokeback Mountain meet Fatal Attraction.
1: Oh, (laughs) shit.
2: And it is awesome. (laughs) So it's got some LGBT qualities in it and everything. Because, um, you know, you want to see everybody represented. And one, um, you don't really see any movies about what two black guys do in prison. It's like nobody wants to talk about it, act like it doesn't exist. The jails won't give out condoms like Mm -hmm. that's going to stop anything or start anything. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do something because I'm a stand-up comic. So one thing about being a comic is we try to do jokes that other people haven't already done because it's hacky at that point. You try to think of premises. Almost every premise has been done, but you try to put your own unique spin on it and make it feel fresh. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I came at my story idea. I wanted to try to come up with an idea that felt fresh, even if it wasn't. So I came up with, you know, Moonlight and Brokeback Mountain meet Fatal Attraction.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Color Grade, recorded live at the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah. I'm your host, Joy Childs, and you can find me at Jump for Joy on Twitter and Instagram and at joychilds.com. Color Grade is produced by Domino Sound.